Good evening, everybody. It is Monday, September 26th, 2011. I'm Mr. Skullhead. This is going to be ten dozen minutes of me and that other guy, but we got to get that other guy on the line first. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going, man? Pretty good. I'm a, I'm a little tired. Yeah, you were up in the middle of the goddamn night with some skullduggery afoot, weren't you? Yeah, there's terrible stuff going on. I My, my car got a flat tire. Mr. Uh, Skullhead, my uh, my car got a flat tire last week. <clears throat> uh, right before I was right before I was going away on my little uh, work hermitage for the weekend, hmm. and uh, my car has one of those awesome security features where it's got like a weird uh, shaped lug nut and then a key that is in the trunk uh, of the car to keep somebody from stealing your sweet rims. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, I think it's just to keep somebody from stealing that particular lug nut. Gotcha. Because uh, they can just take the other five lug nuts off. Four, four, sir, four lug nuts. Anyway, uh, so my tire was flat, and I was like, well, fuck, guess I'll put the spare on it. And then when I went to take that lug nut off, it, like, snapped in half. So there was no way for me to get it off. So I had to have the car towed to a place to fix it. Ah. Yeah, anyway, it's it's fixed, and whatever. And so, so everything is okay. Everything is just fine, and there is nothing at all to worry or be concerned or anxious about. Yeah, there's just nothing else that I can think of. I mean, we just we just launched the KOL 2.0 that we've been, we've been working on forever, so that's kind of a load off my mind. Yeah, people are excited about that. Like, I think they like the... Um you know, the, the level one quest is getting any of your programs to run. Uh, and the level two quest is figuring out how uh, to, to actually run Task Manager. And the level three quest is uh, formatting your hard drive and or buying a new computer. Wonderful. It's pretty awesome. It's very meta. I think it's going to go down in history as a, as a pretty sweet piece of performance art. Yeah, it's more about the art. Dude, so do we know that the malware is pretty mal? Yeah, some people some people did some stuff with it where they ran it in a virtual machine and tracked what it was doing, and it was it was described as ransomware, which is not a thing that I'd ever heard of before. It's a pretty uh, good term, though. Which can, I guess it just like hijacks your computer and is like, hey, I'll give you your computer back if you give me like about tree fitty. Huh. Um, which I you know I, I think it's in that like it is in that category of malware that is like fake antivirus. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just like, hey, oh man, you got so many viruses, but we got the boy, have we got the solution for you? And it's give us ten dollars. It's like, it's like cyber extortion on the part of the Russian mob. The domain that was hosting it uh, got shut down. Uh, our users were pretty judicious about reporting it as a fisting site. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like they, somebody in the forums posted details like they attracted to a person, but I don't know if I believe that that's a real thing. Uh, I don't know that I believe the paranoia that the forum account was created today, and so this is clear misdirection. Uh, huh. You know, trying to get some poor German guy punched in his butt. Because that's what I assume our users would do. If they found the person responsible for this, they would punch them in the butt. Yeah, I feel they would. Um. So yeah, it was uh, it was to, like we've we've uh, gotten to the point where uh, the kingdom of loathing is much like America in the '60s, where uh, in the back of everybody's mind is the uh, sort of lingering uh, specter of Soviet aggression. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need a we need a James Bond. Cool. 
Is that what happened? In the, is that what we had in the Cold War? <laughs> yeah, that's how Bond? we won the Cold War. Is you know James Bond was fire was tirelessly working behind the scenes, and then finally, when everything was all done, then Ronald Reagan went over there and said, "Mr. Gorbachev, Reagan smash." James Bond, uh, known American patriot. Yep, my name's Bond. James Bond, give me a martini. Uh, yeah, so um, middle of the night, emails started getting sent out. Spent a few hours trying to figure out how it was happening. Eventually, uh, Geff, the server guy, tirelessly, uh, tirelessly operating uh, on our behalf. You know, which is uh, which is what we pay him for. But most guys that are doing what they pay you for, they don't necessarily get up at. 3 a.m. when you call them. Um, so, tire, tireless, literally tireless efforts on his part. That was pretty um, impressive of him to be on, you know, just, to be actually be on call like that, yeah. I wish that we had better results, and I wish that we had better news. Uh, we figured out, we found the process that was doing the mailing. We were able to stop the mails from going out after, you know, some number in the low hundreds of thousands of hmm. emails. Uh, yay! Some number, some number that only closely approached the total number of possible emails that could have been sent. Huh. Um, we found some remnants of the stuff that was left behind. Uh, it seems like somebody got somebody gained the ability to write a file with some arbitrary code. Uh, which they wrote code to go into the database and collect usernames and email addresses and then send some malware to them. It's a weird thing. I uh, So it is always hard for me in the real world to put myself in the head of, like, a bad guy. Mm. You know, and it, it, it's, not that, it's not that I think I'm necessarily, like, a great dude. It's just that of the thing the things that I think about how one would do them uh, taking advantage of other people and like abusing trust and sort of uh, stealing money are never things that I consider how you would do that you right. know and so it's it's difficult for me to it's difficult for me to imagine what's going on in the person's head that somebody had to know some stuff about KOL, right? Like they had to have, they, they tried to approximate a message that could have been written by me. They didn't do a fantastic job, right? I think enough people who, you know, people who are familiar with our writing knew that we didn't write that. Yeah. We didn't write the new site looks cool. But it uh, had site, a, it had a little bit of, of uh, plausibility to it. Yeah, there was a sentence with too many commas in it. And, you know, there was a sentence that I think was lifted from some other stuff that we had written in the past. Um, you know, people, people, I think, by and large, knew that we were not going to send them an email with an executable in it. Yeah. And I think one of the advantages of having a player base that is a little smarter than average is that a larger than average portion of them are going to be immune to shit like this. Yeah. You know, there are going to be a handful of people who are inexperienced with this kind of thing that were like, oh, okay. And that's, I think the thing that, like, upsets me the most about this is that if that worked on anybody, it worked because this person, this person, like, figured out a way to take advantage of their trust of us and of, of me in particular by signing my name to the mail, which, you know, that, that, that stings. That stings. That's a sling and an arrow of, uh. 
of, of, of outrageous balls. Yeah. It's not, uh, you know, not even fortune. This was, this was just like, it's fucking barbarians, you know, but they're like cyber barbarians like Lars. Um, we got, we, we, we dug around and dug around and got, we figured out how the thing was doing, what it was doing, where it came from, uh, what they did, but not how they did it, which is upsetting. Um, there were, when we started looking at the, the different inroads that were possible on dev, which the, the thing about dev is that if you imagine like a building that has been slowly constructed over eight years, mostly of like rusty sheets of scrap metal that have been propped up on top of other layers of right. rusty sheets of scrap metal. Right. And then it's like, well, there's a hole in our building. Uh, let's, let's track it down. You look at the building and you're like, fuck. Um, we don't, we don't know if it was a vulnerability in KOL's code that did it. We don't know if it's a vulnerability in some of the other sort of third-party apps that are running on that server. Um, there, were, there were some things that made us nervous when we looked at them and things that like we all had kind of a bad feeling about. And so we, we, we slapped some extra armor over those things. Um, you know, we stopped. We stopped the thing running, and nothing else has happened since then. Which doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, it could just mean that the guy who did this is asleep. Huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it sucks and it's scary, and you know, because the the way that it happened indicates that they did. I mean, they just could have done whatever they wanted with the data, um, and the fact that this is what they chose to do is, you know, strikes me as odd. You know, they knew enough about KOL to know how to go about doing this, but then what they decided to do malware, scammy bullshit to make money, right? Like, they, yeah. their goal, I mean, one thing that we got going for us is that their goal was apparently not just to cause us misery, you know, because this is not what they would do if that was their goal. Yeah. Um, there's there's essentially no damage that they could do that we can't recover from, but I I share the outrage that some people have expressed in the forums that because of us, some email addresses that had been private are now in the wrong hands, right? And I mean, there's only so much somebody can do with your email address if it's in the wrong hands, right? They could have seen encrypted versions of people's KOL passwords, which if you have a shitty password would allow you... There are people in the forum saying that any password that the encryption is not sound enough to stop you from breaking into it, but in the spot checking that I've done periodically of that sort of method, it it, it has not been as effective a means of gaining somebody's account as these people are saying. Um... Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do some examinations of the password security and policies in general. Because I mean, I I have learned things about the way the passwords work and the way the passwords should work since the last time we really addressed people changing their passwords. Right. So I'm gonna try really hard to eliminate the length restriction because that's just kind of not useful. Right. Um. Uh, you know. So there's that. Um. It kind of lit 
a fire under me to move towards a more secure general model that GEF has been pushing for for a while. So I'm headed down to the data center tomorrow to unplug some things and plug some things into some other things. And I ordered a, I ordered a firewall that he's been pestering me to get for a couple months, which I don't know that that would have done anything about this, but it, it can't hurt. Um, you know, and, and at the very least, it will limit... It will limit the number of points of contact KOL servers have with the outside world in general, which is only good, right? It only will make it easier to investigate something like this if it happens again and easier to track down where uh, security holes might be. You know, there's a number of possibilities for how this plays out. Like somebody starts sending emails again or somebody decides to delete everything and we have to recover from backup and that's an irritating process. Not nearly as, you know, nobody, even if their goal was to fuck things up as much as possible, I don't think that they could do as good a job of fucking things up as I did on White Wednesday. Right. At this point, because, you know, we've got, we've got a reasonably stable setup and it is it is robust if not chink proof that's what they call it right when armor is really good it's chink proof yeah only if it's armor for our boys fighting in vietnam yeah cuz only the it, it, like even the even the wily asian can't find can't find the the weak points in this armor exactly you know the reason that we lost the vietnam war was probably because we made our guys fight in chainmail yeah, yeah, and with uh, giant, gl- it was a kind of chainmail that indicated it had some sophisticated electronics in it that indicated the portions of it that needed to be repaired by having like a big flashing red spot. So it was weird. It was it was like you know even in the pre-video game era, the enemy soldiers just knew exactly where to shoot our dudes. Yeah, it's a terrible idea. The yeah, co-op mode uh, for the Vietnam War was just terrible. Live it, live and learn, though. I guess you know we we don't we don't dress our boys like that anymore. We got that weird digital desert camouflage. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the steps that we can take are being taken or have been taken. Um, things are quiet on that front for now. Uh, you know, I, I fully expect to get woken up in the middle of the night again because these things come in pairs. <laughs> um, uh, also, uh, fruit fuckers. <laughs> right, I was going to say, these things and I have that in common. Oh, uh, what have uh, what have you been up to, Mister Skullhead? Let's let's hear some good news. I'll see. I, uh, during the week, not so much. Um, no good news. No Saturday, good news, buddy. Saturday, I had a birthday. Oh, it was my birthday. I was all thirty-four years old and stuff. I even got reminded of your birthday, and I fucked around and forgot to wish you a happy birthday. Yeah, so I'm sorry, Mister Skullhead. Happy birthday. That's okay. Some people, some people cared. It was all right. Yeah, I got some presents. Who cared? Who cared? What'd you, uh, what'd you, what'd you haul in? Oh, my parents got me the Mario Kart thing that we've talked nice. about before, and I got the uh, popcorn popping bowl, which is uh, just a kind of bowl with a heavy bottom and a lid that you can put in the microwave with popcorn kernels in it, and it'll pop them up. Like you know, a simple machine, but one that makes it so I'll eat more popcorn, which is good because I'm wasting away to nothing over here. Yeah, like regular, like regular popcorn. Yeah. Do you do you have to put any sort of liquid in it? You don't have to, but you can. It tastes a little bit better with some like olive oil on top of there. Huh. Before it goes. 
Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You can hot air popcorn, so why couldn't you? Yeah. Why couldn't you heat up the water inside the kernels with a microwave instead? And I don't believe that there's anything special about this bowl that makes it so you can do it. But I, you know, like I'm sure that I could do the same thing in a glass bowl that I own. But having permission to do it makes a little more sense. Uh, yeah, so that's the, interesting. I've never heard of that device. So for the birthday, we went to uh, Ye Olde Renaissance Festival. And that was pretty rad. You never do that. Only uh, this year we almost didn't make it. Like what with the Dragon Cons and the KOL Cons and the hey 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 and the weddings. There was a wedding weekend before last. And, but uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Saw some fire juggling and fire eating, and there was a battle of the bands between a really good Irish band and a kind of okay Irish band. Was the fire eating that you saw better than my amateur fire eating at Dragon Con? <laughs> Only slightly. There was there was far less injury and far less injury potential, so it wasn't as entertaining. I think the tiny scabs have finally come off of my lips, in case anybody was wondering mm-hmm. uh, about my lip scabs. You kissing ready? I am. Um, before that, I was only I was only really capable of kissing things that were really hot. I was thinking like metal, but then I thought, oh wait, that word also means another thing. I'm uh. I'm operating at about forty percent today. Uh-huh. I think. So you, were you was, up most of the night then? Yeah. Well, I don't. You know, I, I say that I slept from like six until ten thirty. So it wasn't. It wasn't like terrible. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the worst day. But it was. You know, it was. It was the. It's. I think it's the stress combined with the lack of sleep. Because this was like an assault. This was an assault on my soul. You failed. You, did you feel a little violated? I did. I felt like my terms of service had been violated. Mm. My terms of service, which specifically say no, no Russian scamzors, scamskis. No, yet scamsies. What was your favorite part of the Renaissance Festival? I really enjoy the fire show. I do, and it, it's handy because like every person in that show is one of our friends, so we would have to go to the show even if we didn't like it. Yeah. So it's good that we like it. And I mean, I guess there's the real there's the real danger. Like, you don't want... It was like if you went to a NASCAR race and all of the drivers were friends of yours, you wouldn't want any of them to die in a fiery crash, yeah. which wanting them to die in a fiery crash is the only reason I can imagine anybody wanting to go to a NASCAR show. <laughs> so it gives, you, it gives you an actual fear on their behalf instead of just a hope, a lingering hope that somebody will get their face burned off. Yeah, no, we we just hope that they do well and they have a big crowd and that people enjoy it. They're uh, they're kind of airtight with their stuff. Like there's there's barely any risk that something will go weird. Air is the element they're the least worried about in that situation. Well, in the absence of air, they wouldn't have any fire, so that would kind of. Oh, suck. I guess I guess that's true. They fire have to keep an eye on. Air. They have to make sure there's oxygen in the venue before. Yeah, they... which is sometimes a concern. Given yeah. that the, it occurs in the moon part of the Ren Fair, mm-hmm. where they just suck out the oxygen. They use a fan to blow the oxygen out the top, also reducing gravity. Yeah, and they needed a, but it has to be operated by somebody pedaling a bicycle, because it's, uh, you know. It's Renaissance tech. Yeah. They have bicycles yeah, they had a lot in the bicycle-powered fans in the Renaissance, I think. I think so. How else could they have kept their food cool? Yep. Um, 
they use refrigerators and stuff at the Renaissance Festival, Mr. Scullin. I, I, I hate to break it to you, but Aww. not all that technology is actually a period appropriate. Weak. Like many chairs in the Renaissance, uh, you're not allowed to sit on if you're menstruating. <laughs> right. Are you going to seriously tell me that they didn't have Coors Light and um, Paps Blue Ribbon in the Renaissance? They were spelled differently. It was uh, like... The, the Coors Light had a, 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 a diphthong in it. It was actually pronounced Coors Licht. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, <clears throat> you know, Knight was actually pronounced Knicht back mm-hmm. in the day. As anybody who's read the Canterbury Tales can tell you. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and, and they, uh, there was a lot of accidental oral sex. Yep. <coughs> that is the only thing that I remember about the, about the Canterbury Tales, except that there was a rooster named Chanticleer. Right. I always remember the, uh, guy trying to kiss the girl at the window and kissing her asshole instead. Yeah, that's what I was saying. And I was wondering how sex. she grew a beard and then smacking somebody across the ass with a burning brand or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? I remember scenes that involve asses. Yeah, well, sure. Chanticleer sounds like a product that you would sell somebody to, like, clean their hovel. <laughs> or or get, like, get rid of an infestation. Prithee, my good man, wouldst thou like some Chanticleer? Um... Yeah, man. You're gonna, you're gonna have to carry me on this show. I'm, I'm, uh... I was faded before I, before I started. Give me some more good news. What else did you do? What'd you do on Sunday? Good news? Uh, I don't know. The in-laws came over on Sunday. We went and, uh, went out in the town and bought some stuff. We're gonna dress Ollie as a dinosaur for Halloween this year. Adorable. I mean, I don't go for, like, store-bought costumes myself, but I think we're shaping up to be the kind of parents who don't care if we buy our kid a store-bought costume. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, like, in the click, like, the neighborhood, all the neighborhood moms and dads, they tend to sew their own costumes for the kids, and, yeah, you know, it's it's just not worth it. You don't think? Not worth the aggravation. We did it the first year, and it was cool, but it was, like, eight hours of work for something that he wore for two hours. Oh, and, uh, I mean, eight hours of work for, for a memory that he'll treasure for the rest of his life, I guess. I guess totally not worth it. I'm just kidding. I'm sure he doesn't remember that. Yeah, I don't think he remembers it now. But the uh, yeah, so we found an adorable costume that was super cheap and really I, nice. So screw it. My parents did, I don't know, two thirds store bought costumes and then a third costumes my mom would make. I mean, I don't like the costumes in a bag where it's like kind of shitty Batman mask and shitty cape, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is a really nice thing. It's like something that we would sew if we were way better at sewing and just didn't have an actual real job. In a, a sweatshop. I mean, work in a sweatshop. Right. You'd probably live in a hovel if you were going to sew that. My mom my mom enjoyed sewing, I think, just for its own sake. So that helped. Yeah. yeah. She, used to, she used to make and sell Cabbage Batch Kid clothes. Cabbage Batch Kids. <laughs> hey, like, baby, oh, check out my Cabbage what? Batch. To go through puberty, it's like, fuck. <laughs> Why didn't somebody tell me this was going to happen? Um, I uh, went to the I went to the, the the place where you and I met, Mister Skullhead, the high school cafeteria, where I skulked around and creeped out all the 
students and faculty. I didn't really go to the high school cafeteria. I just went up there and uh, and uh, filled a filled a book with things for C.D. Moyer to do when he's in town, which he uh, arrives in a couple of days. Nice. Looking forward to spending some quality time with C.D. Moyer. Have a couple of beers, play a couple of board games, get a bunch of works done on a project that won't see the light of day for probably months, if not years. Yeah. Secret project, Rex Manning Day. You see, Notch at the Minecraft company has a secret project that he works on every once in a while that is entitled Project Rex Quando. Uh. So I've decided that our secret project, Project Rex Manning Day. I thought that all of his secret projects had to have a name that was similar to an existing property. Yeah, yeah. He has this secret Scro- project that he's working on called Schmario Schmarld. Yeah, yeah. The Schmooper, Schmooper Schmario Schmarld. Uh-huh. Uh, what was the, uh, what was that Mario Tetris hit, like, Tupertario twirled, or Tupertario Truthers? Yeah, that thing um, was neat. It was. It was pretty cool. Uh, man, speaking of, speaking of all of those things, I started reading this book, uh, so I don't know if you remember this, but when we were at, uh, Comic-Con, uh, Wes the Animator, who, uh, accompanied us and was working Roy's booth a lot of the time, stopped by this booth where there was a, uh, book being, uh, I don't know, either advertised or sold, and uh, won a free copy of the book by beating the author of the book at Joust. Huh. Like there was a Joust cabinet in the booth. Wow. Um, you know, Wes is pretty good at, at... Wes is fucking good at video games in general, but he's particularly good at Joust. Um, and then uh, his wife, Rachel, read the book, I think, while we were there at Comic-Con, was like, wow, this is a really good book. And uh, so I, I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah it's recommended. And I've seen it on Boing Boing, and it sounds like something that I would really like. And so I, uh, I bought a copy of it and started reading it. And Jesus Christ, it is like somebody wrote a book just for me. What is, uh, the name what of the is book the... is Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. Oh, yeah, that's been uh, bouncing around the Boing Boingosphere, too. Yeah, I read like two-thirds of it last night and today while I was just sort of like biting my fingernails waiting to see what Geth found. Uh, it's so good. It's about like, it's about a future in which the world sucks and everybody lives in a giant virtual reality internet world that contains like everything. Hmm. Like, it's like, the, the story is this guy who was like born in the 70s and became a video game designer and was obsessed with 80s pop culture and he made this like virtual world you know, after after like you know, sort of getting established in a in a story that was basically lifted from Richard Garriott's biography, uh-huh. uh, which is cool. I mean, the fact that like every little thing about the way that this book is written, I can sort of understand where the inspiration for it came from, and just there's a ton of little things that I'm like, you know, that is like most people wouldn't even understand that that was a reference to anything, but it's like the way that the way that I'm trained to write stuff and the way that I'm trained to read stuff is just. It just literally makes this the perfect book for me. Anyway, so this guy makes this virtual world, and then, you know, 40 years later, everybody lives in it all the time because the real world sucks. Uh, The guy, the designer dies, but he leaves behind a clue to this sort of, like, really elaborate series of puzzles that he's hidden inside the video game. The first person to solve them gets his fortune and control of of the world, basically. Huh. And it's about this kid that's obsessed with 80s pop culture. And it's like the Diamond Age sort of story. It's like Kid in the Ghetto discovers a new world in a computer and then becomes the master of that new world. Nice. So it's like like, the last Starfighter. uh, Yeah. 
Yeah, in fact, uh, the, the kid, uh, his, his password phrase, the first time you see him log on when it asks him for his password is, uh, you have been recruited by Admiral Zur, or by whatever, by the Star League to defend the frontier against Admiral Zur and the Kodan Armada. Uh-oh. Yeah. Like, you say, oh, it's like that, and yet, yes, it is in fact so much like that 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 is exactly what he was thinking of when he wrote it. Hmm. Like, I, I'd really like to meet the dude. I, I hope he's at Comic-Con next year. I reckon we would get along just fine. I think he will be, but I think we won't be able to get anywhere near him. It'll be Felicia Day syndrome all over again. Will it? Yeah, because there's the like it. He has been like retweet, retweeted by every author I follow on Twitter, and he was on Boing Boing and on the Filter. So several several thousand people. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, and if thousands of people know who you are, you cannot even take a step. You can't take a step on the Comic-Con floor without just drowning in Poontang. Yep. As Felicia Day will readily attest. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Felicia Day complimented my girlfriend's shirt. A Dragon Con. Excellent. It's pretty sweet. It wasn't a KOL shirt. That would have made me happier, I guess. If you just know, everybody if, if, had uh, stopped if, their panel. If the story to... was somehow about me, I would right. be happier. If um, anyway, so I, I, yeah, I disappeared camera. and did a lot of writing and walking around, and I, I drank some of the best beer. Uh, Go to the brewing company? I did, I did. And the brewing company's Ponderosa IPA remains the best beer. Huh. They sell it in six packs of cans now. No kidding. <clears throat> yep. Too bad started, beer out of a can start- tastes like ass. Uh, you say that. You say that. I say that uh, just... Based on nothing but all of my experience. All of your experiences. But have you had any good beer out of cans? Yep. I mean, you're going to say, no, there's no such thing as good beer out of cans. But I mean, I think if you drank like a Dale's Pale Ale, I had a, not. I had a beer that seemed like it would have tasted good if I wasn't just tasting like sucking on a penny that had a little beer on it. Hmm. Maybe I shouldn't have, have like slashed my mouth. A little beer on it? I don't know. Do you uh, dislike drinking out of metal drinkware in general? No, I have the stainless steel water bottles, like any good hippie does. Oh, yeah? Is that a good hippie thing? Yeah, because you're not using the plastic bottles uh, or the things that everybody was using, and then it turned out they were leaching cancer into your bones, and so everybody stopped using them, and then it turned out they kind of weren't. Did it? I don't don't have a sense of how that whole thing panned out just that they stopped using those things that weren't supposed to be exposed to direct sunlight. Right. Every When everyone was drinking out of gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks because, like, you know, how do you get the water in there without getting them wet? Yeah, it's tricky. Uh, gremlins was pretty good. There is yet to, there is yet to be any reference to gremlins in this book. Hmm. I'm sure he's getting there. Wow, I'm, I am an idiot. I thought that when he referred to Mad Max as a trilogy, I was like, "What? Are you, there's only two Mad Max movies, but no, there aren't." And I, th- I was thinking of the first one when I said, ah, "There are, there are only two Mad Max movies, but there are total." There's the first one is the Road Warrior, right? No, the first one is Mad Max, and then the second one is the Road Warrior, and then the uh, third one is Beyond Thunderdome. That was Mad Max that, was way less post-apocalyptic. It was more just like a horrible story about society starting to collapse. Yeah. 
That was um, back it's more when... like revenge fantasy where Mel Gibson goes and kills some dudes because they killed his family. There was this brief period of time, it seemed like, where before people figured out sequels, where they, they made sure not to have the sequel have the same name or seem like in any way affiliated with another movie. Like what? Well, like uh, Rambo. The first Rambo movie was called First Blood. Right. And the second one was Rambo, and then they later appended First Blood Part 2. Right. So that people would understand, and and then Rambo 3. I guess that I and uh, the Mad Max is the only one that I can think of, but I'm sure there's more somewhere. Yeah, because it's not Mad Max the Road Warrior. It is Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. Or maybe it is Mad Max the Road Warrior. I don't know. I always just thought it's of Indiana the Jones movie. and the Road Warrior. Right. I don't know. Does it say? I always just thought of the Road Warrior as being called Mad Max. Mm. Mad Max Two was its original Australian title, and the Road Warrior was its American title. So it was just Americans trying to confuse people. So it must have been that the Road Warrior didn't, or uh, Mad Max didn't hit really big here. Yeah. So they're like, let's start I, I think over. It, I, mean, I think it was a lot more. You know, it was more alien aliens. I think Mad Max Road Warrior was more in that mold, where the first one was a little. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty violent, I guess, but there wasn't a lot of, like, you know, like in Aliens, there wasn't a lot of supernatural stuff. Yeah. Um, that scene with the alien ghost, that shit was freaky. Yeah. There was, you know, Alien was sci-fi, but it was more like a thriller in a sci-fi setting. It was a haunted house in space, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess Aliens was more just like a like a Vietnam movie in space. What is it? What would, like, are there any movies that are like a Vietnam movie in space? Oh, I'm trying to think of any movies in space where they wear chain mail, and I'm coming up blank. Yeah. Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> I've never seen Buckaroo Banzai. You, you probably should. Should I? Yeah. It's going to be one of those, like, I associate that with Time Bandits, and what else? There's something else that I associate it with. And Time Bandits, you know, I know that everybody loves Time Bandits, but I watched it for the first time as an adult and it just didn't do much for me. It's not my favorite of the Terry Gilliams, for sure. But I saw it after a bunch of people had told me that I just had to because I had enjoyed every other thing that was related to Monty Python and Terry Gilliam. So, yeah. I think a lot of the stuff that I really liked, I saw before I started... Like, I made the realization surprisingly late that, like when a movie came out it was made by a guy who had made other movies uh-huh. you know it's like I knew on some level that the same people were responsible for like 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club but I didn't it just didn't register the way that it did with like oh this is like another another album by this band or you know another painting by this same artist like I just didn't think of movies as existing like that yeah you know, so I didn't draw them. I didn't draw like lines between movies other than oh, this movie is a sequel to this movie, which is why those ones we were talking about fucked me up so much. Like when I saw Rambo as a baby, I was like, "What the fuck is going on? Who is this guy?" Yep. You know, Rambo as a baby, the fourth, the fourth <laughs> Rambo movie, where they rebooted it. Yeah, and they decided to just tell the first story, the movie, the first movie again, but with Rambo as like a ten-month-old. It was kind of cool. Sorry, I'm, you know. 
He had the bandana around his waist for a diaper instead of on his head. Oh, yeah. I, um, I don't quite believe that he would have been able to lift that AK. But, I think uh, got him a smaller AK. A little baby AK. Oh, uh, man. Now I'm just uh, picturing what? baby blocks with the letters A and K on them glued together <laughs> with a barrel oh, sticking man. out. Yeah. This movie writes itself. Yeah, it does. We should uh, we should get on uh, we should get on Kickstarter see if we can get funding for our new masterpiece. It would be an interesting project to see what the dumbest idea was that you could get funded on Kickstarter. Right. You know, if you just earnestly committed yourself to making a really terrible idea seem like a thing that you were taking seriously, that's probably mean. That is probably a, a violation of the spirit of fandom and of of Kickstarter and of of grassroots support. Yeah, hey guys who love and trust us. Yeah, you get all this money and you're like, wait, you thought we were serious? <laughs> we could have made this crap for free. Uh, any comic book news? Speaking of making crap we could have made for free. <laughs> no, and I need to poke my artist. I haven't heard Is from... that a euphemism for masturbating? Yep. Uh, he's sent me another new page... He's only sent me one new page since the last show. Since 20? Since, yeah. So that's a little bit annoying. But, like, I understand that he's busy, and he has a day job, and his day job is, like, teaching art to paralyzed toddlers or some shit. So it's not like he's, I can say, flip fewer burgers, you asshole. Like, take a day off. The burgers can flip themselves. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So he's still got three more pages to color. And then we got a letter him. We can, uh, like, we can get started figuring out how to deliver that PDF. That's probably a thing to do. Yeah. Like, that's got another thing that I can't really help with. Okay, how about we print it out in comic book form hmm. and deliver it uh, for $5? Via the mail? Yeah. This is how we're delivering. And we should just include with the comic book a CD-ROM that has the PDF on it. Ooh, yeah. With copious amounts of DRM so that you have to be connected to the internet in order to view it. So a PDF DRM CD-ROM. Uh-huh. Only for our VIPs, though. Because <laughs> otherwise, Hello. WTF. Uh, I had written something... Uh, <laughs> speaking of speaking of Wes the Animator, this was a funny story. Uh... <laughs> And I actually texted somebody LOL for the first time uh, earnestly, um, which made me feel like kind of an asshole, actually, in retrospect. But uh, I I had written some stuff in the in the in the wiki that we have for like backstory for the new game. And I was like, I think this means that one of us is going to have to read some Dickens. I call not it. And then he sent me a text message saying, like, my wife is big into Dickens right now. You should talk to her. And I was (laughs) like, lol. (laughs) Because <laughs> uh, I mean that's funny, right? I mean because you have to you have to read it out loud, but oh boy, <laughs> yeah, that is pretty excellent. Uh, you wanna you wanna get at some of these here questions? Yeah, let's hop on the forum thread. The, uh, uh, so we had a forum thread from last time that it didn't get quite through. I bet we can uh, I bet we can polish it off this time. People have started posting questions onto the end of this. Our community is. By and large, really good at making things convenient for us in the forums. They are. Um, 
The only thing that I don't like when the forums do that do is when there's a speculation thread about something and then that thing is released and then they start talking about it in the speculation thread. That drives me crazy. And I always have to go in and split the thread off in the cases when I see that. Yeah. But other than that, great, great job. Great job, guys. Habitat Grizzly wrote, I snagged a KOL t-shirt a while ago. I'd buy more, but I don't really like the selection. Plus, it's been a month and I'm still waiting on the first one. Ah, that sucks. Uh, in a related note, there's this t-shirt store in town that's pretty cool. They have a bunch of different pictures on the wall. You just pick the design and shirt you want, and then they screen print, I think, it while you wait. I got one with a pair of ad-ads having sex. My fiancé thinks it's stupid, but then that's half the point. But I digress. Wait, is there, like, a funny caption? Because, like, I um, like that one where there's a picture of two safes having sex, and it says, safe sex. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Uh, I first saw that joke. Uh, I think of that as a fax machine joke because the first time I ever saw that picture, it was a picture that had been faxed to the sheriff's department that my dad worked at. Huh. Uh, back in the early days of fax machines, when they were, I guess, used for, I don't know, things yes. that you would normally get forwarded to you in an email these days. Yep. The, uh, uh, I, have you guys ever thought of doing business with places like that? Uh, he continues. It seems like you could just send them some various KOL art and they could print it and pay royalties or something. Look at me, I'm talking business. The place here can't be the only t-shirt store that does it either. Anyway, it seems like it would allow for more options. White sword and martini guy on an XL Navy t-shirt, please. And quicker turnaround. No disrespect intended. So the only way that we're able to sell the shirts as cheap as we do which I recognize is not like a requirement, right? Like the, if we figured out a better way to sell T-shirts that was easier and faster for everybody, but we had to start paying a re- or we have to start charging a reasonable amount for T-shirts, that's right. uh, not like a, uh, an intrinsically worse situation than we've got now. Uh, Hot Stuff has long been a proponent of switching to a model where we just have designs and we have shirts and then we just print them on demand. The thing about doing that is that it would make shirts take much, much longer for us to get done. Because you, the way that it works when you're taking stuff to a screen printer is you uh, you have to pay a setup charge for the batches of shirts. Even a, even a screen printing shop that keeps your designs on file, it doesn't make any sense for them to keep an actual physical screen out because they've just got a machine that will burn the screens so that they have a bunch of them so they can make a bunch of the shirts at a time. Right. Um, and they don't want to start keeping just piles and piles and piles of, of silk screens around. So they make them they make them on demand, and that takes you know that takes some time, and it takes some some uh, sort of you know expensive emulsion stuff, and you know and just resources. And so they they charge you on a per batch basis. So we could get away with doing a thing where like, well, once twenty five people have ordered a shirt of this color. Or sort of this design in this color, then we can then we can actually ship them out. And I think that that would take forever, given the the, the relatively meager volume that our store does. You know, I, we're trying to work out something where we got them custom printed. I mean, I don't know how much those guys charged you for that shirt, but I bet it was more than fifteen bucks. And right. so, even even giving us a deal for doing it in bulk or whatever, like it's just. I, it is a thing that sounds like a good idea, but it is one of those things that all of my experience in dealing with this stuff tells me would be a nightmare, and that's why I've always been really resistant to doing it. Uh, you know, the, the Bone Star shirts, a little bit of a fiasco. Um, you know, everybody's everybody's more or less happy, but like those 
the way that those turned out, they are not that that is not a thing that I am pleased with. It's not a thing that I'm proud of, right? It's a thing that I'm like, fuck, these people really wanted these things and we kind of screwed it up. Um and, you know, it was just a mess. It was a lot of work and part of it was because we were it was right in the middle of con season, you know, and it should have uh, yeah, yeah. Spending a lot of time thinking about the engines of commerce that we begrudgingly participate in. You know, we participate in them like you do an engine. Is the is it possible that a next run of shirts of a different design would be less painful than that? Like, weren't there things that just kind of got fucked up with that that wouldn't be fucked up if we did it again? Yeah, I mean, the biggest the biggest part of the fiasco was just one thing not being... No, we just requested it in the wrong color. Like, we... And it wouldn't have even been a big deal. Like, we just... The thing that we showed people was printed in one color, and the thing that arrived was like, oh, fuck. We printed these in white instead of light gray. And most people didn't care, but some people did, and, and we wanted to give them the opportunity to say, like, no, I, I want the thing that I actually looked at and paid for, right? Because I would rather have given them the opportunity to, to know that we screwed up and, and get us, you know, get us to make it right than be pissed off when they got something that wasn't as advertised. Yeah. Which we wouldn't do again. We also would not... Uh, we got kind of painted into a corner and didn't get very good proofs of these things and so they ended up not looking as good as I wanted them to and it's not a thing that if you're not the guy that drew this you would notice I don't think yeah. but it's a thing that I notice and that I, you know and it's it just doesn't fucking matter like my girlfriend wears that shirt and everywhere we go people compliment her on it it just happens all the time it's weird yeah, I wore and mine it, to Renfair and I got complimented on it. Yeah. By a dude wearing a kilt. Well, you know, if a dude is wearing a kilt, you can guarantee that that dude's taste is tip-top and top-notch. I only trust fashion sense from dudes wearing kilts. Yeah. Did he have a mustache? He had a leather clip-on mustache. Nice. He was a guy who worked at a he worked at the leather store and so Wait, are you yeah. serious? Yeah, it was just like a piece of leather kind of shaped like a handlebar mustache with two little leather prongs sticking up so he could shove it up his nose and it would stay there. Huh. He was handing them out and, and like, handed one to me and I was about to hand it back and he just kind of stood there looming until I put it in my nose for his amusement. Gross. Uh, well, and then I didn't hand it back to him. You know, he was giving them to people was the point. Oh. I was like, you know, I, I don't want... At first, I wasn't sure if he was going to be like, and you can have this for only a dollar, and that would have been a dollar too many. So I didn't want to shove it up my nose until I was clear on that point. And then after I was clear on that point, I still didn't want to shove it up my nose, but I guess I was... Since I was in there looking at his uh, belts and shit, I was somewhat obliged to... It yeah, looks, they take advantage funny. of that feeling yeah. of you owing them something that you get from being in their space and looking at their stuff, right? Although it was a funny joke, uh, he... Uh, Handed one to Jess and said, "Here, go ahead. Why wait till menopause?" Huh? I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Was she amused? Uh, a little bit. She didn't like kick him in the junk or anything. Yeah. Women are better at not kicking people in the junk in public. Yeah. In private. Oh ha. Yeah, boy. That's all they. That's all they're good at in private. Did we? Uh, we did take orders for more concerts, though, speaking of printing on demand. 
right? Yes. Yes. I don't know what kind of shape that situation is in. Yeah, I forgot to pick up ours. I think we had some for me and the missus. Yeah, I don't think I got mine either. Um, yeah, I'll have to look into that and see what uh, what the status is. Maybe if anybody's out there, has anybody gotten a hold of you if you pre-ordered one? Um, because I know that we didn't collect shipping information at the time because that would have been a pain in the ass. I just know we have these prepaid ones that we were we need to collect information from people, which we were going to do, I think, via K-mail. I remember handing that list to someone else, but I don't remember who it was or... Uh, I mean, it might have just been a homeless guy. In which case, sorry, everybody. I don't think your shirts are coming. Uh, Blister Guy writes, uh, My question. One thing that bothers me are the people who refuse to ascend because they'd lose all the sweet skills they'd bought. There is potentially a way to address this now with the ability to perm multiple skills at once. There just needs to be a way to accumulate karma in Aftercore. Uh, I'm aware that you have a problem with Aftercore karma farming potentially being easily scriptable, but what if it was limited to a once a day kind of thing, kind of like a daily quest? My other thought was, what about one karma per hundred turns spent in a clan dungeon? Yeah, I don't... I can see why... I can see why you want this. I think that there is... I think that there is a better way to address that. Uh, You know, I think with people saying they don't want to lose the sweet skills they bought with meat from the guild, like, screw screw those people. You can get those in arbitrary quantities. But the ones that they bought in skill books, you know, I think that one day that used book ellipse is going to happen. And I guess, I guess it would be friendly. I shouldn't even fucking say this out loud, but I guess it would be friendly if somebody who had a skill from a book but didn't have it permed if we gave them a used copy of the skill book. Hmm. Um, you know, because like giving them an untradeable used item or an untradeable item is not going to hurt anything. Right. And then we could have like one day a year uh, on maybe the, uh, the, the 51st day of the fourth month where there's a giant fire in town where you can burn all the books that you don't want anymore. Ooh. Yeah. That's what the kids are into these days. Yeah. Book burning. Ironic book burning. Yep. But they're just burning them because they've digitized them. They're burning them in, in effigy of the of physical media as a concept. Uh, see, what I've seen is people downloading multiple copies of a book onto a Kindle and then tossing that in a fire. Ooh, right. That's because you can burn a lot of books in a short amount of time. Yep. It's a really small fire, and you wouldn't want to roast any marshmallows on it, though. I don't know that you'd want to roast marshmallows on a regular old book fire. I might. A lot of glue and weevils. Mm. I don't think there's really weevils in there, but uh, you know, books are kind of gross. <laughs> uh, old books are often kind of gross. You're like, you know, I don't want to touch this, much less put it in my mouth. And burning something and roasting a marshmallow over it and then eating the marshmallow is kind of like putting the thing that you're burning in your mouth. Which is why, if you roast marshmallows on a fire made out of dicks, you're gay. Exactly. I went to the I went to the book nook up in up in the old uh, the old hometown. Uh, surprised to find out that that said book nook was still in business. Huh. Um, did you ever go in there? Yep. Yeah. It was. It's one of those obnoxious used bookstores where it's like, man, I would really like to. Uh, I would really like to look at the books that are on these shelves, but it is so uncomfortable to get my eyes to focus at the distance that is the maximum distance that I can stand away from this shelf 
that <laughs> I just so fatigued from trying to browse the titles that I end up skipping half the bookstore. The 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 aisles are extremely narrow. Right, right. Like two people would have to turn side by side to both go down the hallway. And that would only work if one of them wasn't a big fat fatty. And what are the odds of that, really? Yeah, I'm 30 out of 100, maybe. There was a Corvette show. Hmm. Uh, which, boy, do I just not give a shit. Were they, like, little red Corvettes? Some of them were, yeah. Was some, it a there were Prince some, concert, there were some, rather? There were some old ones, you know, some, like, 50s Corvettes that were kind of cool. Just in terms of, like, oh, wow. It's neat that something that old is still in that good a shape. Like, this is a guy that cares about something, and I like it when dudes care about things that aren't actually important. Um, I really do like it when old dudes care about things that aren't really important. Uh -huh. Like, a, like you know, building a really, really sweet electric train set. Yeah, or gay like that people is... getting married. Or what? Nothing. Um, oh, or gay people getting married? You yeah. said gay people getting married? Yes. Okay. No, I don't like it when old dudes really care a lot about that. Okay. What if they're old gay dudes who just want to get married? Yeah. When, uh, when uh, you know, uh, caring a lot about an issue, not so much. You know, like, I don't like it. Like, being a vegetarian, not that important. But I don't like people who really, really care about being a vegetarian. I don't have any problem with people who are like, yeah, I don't eat meat. But if that's like a... I'm I'm more okay with a dude for whom a really sweet train set is most of his identity right. than I am with a dude whose vegetarianism is most of his identity. Yeah. And why why is that? Why it it's like I hate it's like I hate all things that are good and meaningful. No, I think it's just that anybody who has a, like a belief or a or an affectation instead of a personality is kind of off-putting. Anybody who's a vegetarian that you find out the first time that you meet them, because they, you know, when you go to shake their hand, they go, have you touched any meat today? Because I'm a vegetarian and I don't eat meat, because meat is murder, and let me tell you something about that. It's kind of as annoying as the guy who's like, do you want to see what's under my kilt? Because uh, I'm tired of people asking what's under my kilt, but uh, totally right. nothing, just balls hanging out. But at least the guy with a sweet model train set, you can, like, yeah, I want to see your sweet model train set. Of course. I think, like, there's a difference between the what we were just talking about and having a hobby that you're really into. Yeah. Like, uh, even if it was a hobby that I don't care about. Like, if somebody, like, collected golf balls and they would say, like, hey, you want to come into my garage and see a million golf balls? Even though I don't care about golf balls, like, a million of anything is interesting. Like, sure, I'll have a look. Why not? But that's also not uh, interfering with your day-to-day -day life either. Constantly. That's true. Neither have, I've never actually met anybody who asked me if I had touched any meat before <laughs> right. shaking my head. That's kind of funny. <laughs> the first vegan that I met kind of made me not like made me actively avoid vegans for years until I met someone and just hung out with them for a while, and a couple of days later found out they were a vegan. Like, oh, right, okay. We you ask them to play uh, Balls in the Mouth, which is a game that you're fond of where you you get, go to Ikea and buy a plate of Swedish meatballs and then go down into the showroom and uh, toss the meatballs across one of the living rooms trying to catch them in each other's mouths. I think you're making things up again out of your head. What? No, that's your favorite game. 
And if you've forgotten about it, it's just because you're drunk or maybe brain damaged from blowing up too many balloons for your birthday party. <laughs> yep. Uh, hey, let's take a music break and make it uh, make it a little longer so that I don't have to keep trying to talk. Let's take a music break. All right, we'll be back in 20 minutes. Nice. And we're back. Cool. You know, sometimes you just got to play a little aqua. Sometimes you do. Uh, I don't know what it is. I have this soft spot for that very particular brand of 90s techno, I guess. Is it techno? Is it house? Oh, it's like the poppy techno. Yeah. I don't... But like, somebody was... It randomly came up on a couple of sites that I look at recently that how shitty that redneck song Cotton Eye Joe is. Like, uh, you're mistaken. That song is awesome. Yeah, that song is... T- ju- it is nothing but totally awesome. In That's, fact, one of my most prized possessions is a single of Cotton Eye Joe. I used to have that, too. It had a whole bunch of remixes on it. It did not yeah. have another song, though. I don't know if they actually put out another song. They did. They had a whole album that I think was called Sax and Violins. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I ever heard anything. Oh, man. Rednecks.se, an official page from the number one pop group Rednecks. <laughs> They're known for Cotton Eye Joe, Wish You Were Here, and Spirit of the Hawk. Oh, yeah. Wait, Wish You Were Here is a Pink Floyd song. Are you sure they're, they're not just repurposing other people's number one hits? I think maybe they are. They're just pretending to be the originator of every number one song. Like, known for yeah. it, girl, you know it's true. Like, Spirit of the Hawk. Blame it on the rain. Recommend you to the Spirit of the Hawk. That was the sequel to Spirit in the Sky, I feel. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Darzil says, My wife plays accordion in various bands and would happily go for a t-shirt in a shape she likes. She's a bit specific with an accordion thief on it. Huh. You know, the shape that I like for t-shirts is uh, kind of shaped like a T. Like the letter T. Capital T. Like a hole in the top and two holes on the sides. Is that what? Is that why it's called a t-shirt? Because all shirts are T-shaped, right? Like the A-line, the A-shirt... Is the kind of wife beater thing? It is. Yeah. Erich uh, uh, points out a link to an era J- an Erich Webley shirt, a Jason Webley shirt on uh, jasonwebley.com, which is, uh, I'm going to look at this and see what it is. It's got a person playing an accordion uh, tied to a bunch of balloons. Um, that is a pretty cool shirt. I like the one song that I like by Jason Webley. Who is that now? He's a guy. I I am guessing that you would probably hate him. You hated that uh, that cover of Take on Me that I liked and played all the time. Huh? That you thought was uh, never in tune. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, the guy kind of reminds me of that. You you might you might like him. I don't know. I don't have a good sense. The only recordings that I ever had of him were some weird DRM encrypted files that I was never able to play after I lost the computer that they were on when I first got them. So I have no idea what that was all about. Uh, Lots of Phil says, The con item thread is the worst thing I've seen. Those people are terrible. You guys have my genuine sympathy. Keep up the great work. Uh, as for questions, can the slime tube get a guaranteed spot in the clan dungeons boards in the museum? Slimy teeth slash eyeballs get drowned out by all the Hobopolis trophies. Eh, that's a good. That's a good point. I wonder if it's possible for me to like put those in there twice. 
somehow. Uh, you know, I did not feel like the con item thread was all that bad. I don't know, but it, it ruffled your feathers a little bit, it seemed like. And... Or got under your skin a little bit. I should I, ruffling ruffling feathers is a more uh, more visible response, right? Than what I than what I feel like happened to you. When it be when it started, it was just kind of we've already done this. I'm just gonna post that we've already done this. I'm gonna be polite as possible and just you know let it go. But it it ended up getting like really contentious and strange and breaking off into tiny arguments and people being rude to each other and. Yeah, like it doesn't bother me for people to say that they're sad we didn't do it that way and they wish that we would have made it available another way when they start like trying to analyze a business case based on nothing but the contents of their own asshole that gets annoying because that that goes from I don't like the way that these guys do it to these guys are dumb for doing it that way yeah um yeah, I mean, I guess when when somebody like says that we're dumb for making some business decision or a decision about money, like I, and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's, you know, like that's pretty plain to see. It's as plain as the nose on my face, with which I paid three times as much for a nose job for as I should have. Um, I, yeah, I I don't remember the conversation from last year. Honestly, I remember a lot of arguments leading up to it that I was just like, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to stick to my, stick to my guts and my guns on this because I don't think it's going to be a big deal. And then I think as it panned out, it wasn't a big deal. It might be that people were more sensitive about this one because it was cooler. Huh? Um, you know, which is a, which is not the worst problem you could have. Right. Um, I, to me, to me, it was a little surprising um, that it was so so fevered because this is a librum, and so it's kind of the same as the deal about like the, there's a there's a few people pissing and moaning about the trophy, which was Hot Stuff's idea, by the way. I think he he joked as though that was something that we wouldn't do, and I was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, and. There's some people that are irritated by it, but then there's some people who aren't irritated by it. And my here is my understanding of the way that this the way scarcity operates in our uh, in our little microcosm. Anything that comes out of a libram is eventually mall minimum price. Um, it, if we manage to create an ongoing rolling demand for some of those things, then I think that happens slower, but not any less inevitably. Right. It is possible that history will prove me wrong, but the price of them, there was a little panic today. Somebody said that it cost them five million meat in the mall to get to get the trophy. And I was like, that can't be right. And then I looked in the mall and it was uh, currently would have cost like a million, which is not, you know, it's not even like the third most expensive trophy to get. And it, uh, the the ones that are expensive tend to be expensive because you pour meat into the game, not into the player economy. Now, I don't know. Let's let's examine the mall prices of these dice. D fours are at five hundred meat. D sixes are at four hundred meat. And I'm just I'm looking. You know, I'm not. A D eights are at eighteen hundred. D tens are at around twenty thousand. D12s are at 100,000 because of this trophy just being discovered. D20s are at 700. So 
it seems like the supplies are filling up of stuff and that in general those are just going to get cheaper. I, I, you know, it goes up. The, the target increases, the number of dice that it's going to take to roll that target increases, but not, like, getting in range of it is not as expensive as getting in a range that's going to take less time to do, which that is a little... Uh, I kind of didn't think about the number of times you were just going to have to like hit the button to make it happen with it not consuming the dice on failure. Having it consume the dice on failure would have been way, way meaner. Yeah, that that does edge up to the dick move category. Yeah, I mean, it is a little... You know, I don't know. Do I... Do I start tracking a flag and make it so if you're in the range of the target and you roll it 30 times you get the target? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think I do. Because there is a little bit of game in how long it's going to take. Limiting the number of dice that you can roll in a day would fix it. It would just make it so people had to get the trophy a lot slower and there'd be a lot more competition for a given target. Yeah. But you know, I, I like this because I'm interested to see whether people actually cooperate on doing it or not. I, so far they are, and I think they will continue to do it. I, I don't think there's ever going to be a point where somebody needs to get that, somebody feels that they need to get that trophy, and they don't know what target they're shooting for. Um, I don't know. I think it's potentially cool, and we'll see. And it doesn't reset at rollover, so people who want it to reset at rollover are going to be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, clickety-clack, clickety-clack-clack, type-type, buddy. Down the station and up the tracks. Lugzinder writes, am I missing something? Have you already answered my doppelshifter slash wardrobe question? Is there a reason the familiars past 145 are unavailable? Well, the reason the familiars past 145 are unavailable is because adding new familiars into the thing takes slightly more attention than I'm able to pay during a radio show. And I never remember to, like, write myself a note or write... You know what? You know what doesn't take that much attention? Is me making a wiki item for C.D. Moyer to add the familiars to the thing. You should vamp for 10 seconds or maybe 20 seconds while you do that. Ballista guy says, I have another question. I came back to the game a year ago after a four-plus year hiatus thanks to that fantastic email. Don't click on that link, Blister guy. Don't click it. Uh, in my pre-NS13 Ascension history, it shows a line that says Ascension records 8 through 11 were lost in the Great Time Catastrophe. If you view my list of skills, you can see my sixth skill is Nimble Fingers, uh, permed, and my ninth skill is Nimble Fingers, hardcore permed. Are these two things related? Because I've been away from the game so long, I can't rem- really remember what happened following White Wednesday. I don't either. I know that some people's skills got fucked up, and they did, like... If somebody asked for the skills that they lost, we would give them to them, but maybe you forgot about one that you'd already permed, and so you didn't get it, and then so you permed it again. Yeah, um, maybe. Shademaster00 says, An argument for eliminating the 100 meat minimum price in the mall and dropping the minimum to auto-sell value. There is a considerable amount of business that can be done involving very large numbers of items with very low prices. For instance, yummy tummy beans are not worth 100 meat, but they are not worth whatever their auto-sell value is either, as they're fairly useful for effects. If you let the mall price stabilize to the true worth of the uh, item, the true worth of the album, uh, it would benefit the economy. Yeah, you know, it's entirely possible that that's true. Uh, I would consider as an experiment, like, all right, so this is the week where we do away with the mall minimums and let's see what happens. You know, if if it becomes a, a thing that I don't like, then we change it back. <clears throat> but maybe it makes people happy and nobody uh, 
nobody ever suffers any ill because of it. And so then it turns out to be a thing that I was just wrong about. Uh, people asking about familiar number 145. There's at least one unimplemented familiar in the in the mix. And like, dang, big close-up of a spider face. That's scary. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Dear everybody listening, says Pasta Gollum, regarding the discussion on a previous show on familiar equipment doing more interesting stuff than the default five pounds, why not do this? If you come up with an awesome or even just decent idea for a familiar equipment, write it up and make it a prize in the cake-shaped arena. With the lead necklace no longer there, it'd be neat to spend five adventures in 500 meters so for a chance at a rare equipment for basic familiars. This could unlock new and compelling reasons to use various familiars. Stuff like the chip for the Mecha Mecha is, in my opinion, at least more interesting than a flat five more pounds. Yeah, the, the problem, though, is that the Mecha Mech does multiple things, and so altering the distribution of the things that it does is a thing that you can do that is different than just adding or subtracting weight, right? And not every familiar has... Some familiars would require additional functionality to be added to them in order to make it so it was meaningful that it was possible to have more than one piece of equipment, like a piece of equipment that wasn't just plus five pounds, right? Right. Like a familiar that just does a fixed amount of damage that is based on the weight that it does. You know, we could say, all right, so we can either, we have this one piece of familiar equipment that adds weight, and then we have another piece of familiar equipment that uh, decreases the range of randomness of the damage that it does. But in the fullness of time, one of those things is just going to prove to be numerically superior to the other, and they're both doing the same thing, which is increasing, in aggregate, the amount of damage that your familiar does. Right? Well, in that case, it wouldn't be. I guess it wouldn't be. That's just totally wrong. I wasn't even thinking of the arithmetic correctly. You know, it's doing less damage more reliably. Right. I don't know. I, I understand what they're saying, though. Like, instead of approaching it as we need to come up with something for every single familiar to just, every time we have an idea, chuck it in there. Yeah. Which is... I mean, I, I think the idea of, like, saying, all right, so do. let's, you know, an update where we've added ten new pieces of familiar equipment, each of which does some secondary thing to the familiars that we had good ideas for what a secondary thing would be. Right. You know, but I mean, I don't know. Like, in a way, by doing that, we're making the cake-shaped arena less reliable as a way of getting a thing that you want. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the updates to that have made it less less of a thing that people decry as totally useless. You know, it got beefed up pretty significantly. Yeah. yeah you know, in terms of, like, flat power. But but I don't know. I mean, I, I guess people would, people would, by and large, be excited if they got something cool out of there. And that's, that is more important than the people who would be disappointed that they didn't get the most optimal piece of equipment. And I mean, we could also just, the, the familiars for whom having equipment was really important to speed ascenders, we could just leave those alone. Usually that's not because the equipment gives plus five pounds, right? It's because it does something interesting or tunes the way the familiar behaves or something. And we've already got a good idea for those. The alternative would just be if we thought of an interesting idea for familiar equipment to do for a thing, just replace its familiar equipment with that thing. Instead of adding more items to the game. Yeah. That's less fun. Yeah, people people like the... Well, as you know, people like the randomness. Yeah, I like the randomness. Lord Bitchelot says, If I collect one million wangs, will you let me wage war on the ghost of the English language? Yeah. Wangs are uh, tools in his arsenal. 
there's wangs in his arse. Anal. Hey, if you collected uh, one million wangs, you would still be slightly behind Jake in real life. How many wangs do I have? I assume that you're storing them in your anus. Sequentially. Florin says, you guys are not a charity as defined by the tax code, so I don't think you can avoid paying sales tax. I anal lawyers. <laughs> uh, yeah, that. I, I mean, I know that we have to pay sales tax on objects that we sell. I think the, the question that we were discussing was whether, you know, uh, uh, Hot Stuff filed this stuff and we paid sales tax on the Librams. And I was like, did we actually need to pay sales tax on that? And, you know, we, we talked about it. And I, I don't think that there is an unambiguous, like, I don't think that there is a totally clear answer to that question mm. at this point. I mean, we were selling cards with some information on them, right? So, I mean, we'd, we would have to pay sales tax if we sold people magic cards, I guess. And those are cards with information on them. Huh. But I don't know, right? I mean, it, like, that if selling virtual items by handing somebody a code that they type in it makes it so we have to pay sales tax, does selling somebody a virtual item where the game gives it to them as a gift because of some code that we typed in? You know, I mean, I don't think that anybody would argue that we need to pay sales tax on Mr. A's. Mm. You know, one thing, we don't keep track of where you are when you buy one. So who do we pay sales tax to? Right. You know, I mean, do, do you have to pay, do you have to charge sales? Like, what happens if when we sell a shirt to somebody that lives in the UK? I mean, because we do it on the internet, there's all sorts of weird tax evasion stuff that happens, right? Yeah. Not tax evasion, tax avoidance? <laughs> <laughs> evasion and avoidance would be the same thing, though. Right. Yeah, but I'm not saying it's not like we're getting we're we're avoiding paying like we're deliberately avoiding paying taxes that we should be paying. It's like you're not supposed to pay taxes on stuff you sell on the internet, right? That's across state lines. Uh, like instead of deciding which state you pay state sales taxes to, they just said you don't pay it at all. For physical merchandise, you do. You don't though. We don't have to pay sales tax except on stuff we sell in Arizona. So we sell two people in Arizona. Huh. Because otherwise, like, we would never do anything except file monthly sales tax forms with every state and city and county in the country. I feel right? like... I think it, it would be so cumbersome to do mail order business if you were responsible for doing that. I feel like Amazon always makes me type in my state and then add sales tax. And I know they're running into problems. I, I mean, I thought the way that they got around that was by having shipping centers in multiple states, and if they send it to you from a different state, you don't have to pay sales tax on it, or they don't okay. have to pay sales tax on it. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe they, maybe they've just got some like you know, the Minnesota just won't deliver stuff from Amazon unless they pay sales tax or something. Hmm. They're they're fighting that battle on behalf of everybody, I think, and and it kind of seems like they're losing. Because all that affiliate program stuff got wonky. Like, if you were in California, you couldn't use an Amazon affiliate link anymore because of California insisting on charging them sales tax. Nah, I don't know. Uh, Lightwolf says, wait, there's still one more Easter egg undiscovered with the dice? Other people heard that in the radio podcast too, right? Yeah, but it wasn't this one. 
and honestly it wasn't there's th- that wasn't what I was talking about this moving target thing um let's see people talking about that Rujishi Lock says will there be a big Halloween event this year I hope so I hope we I hope we can pull together the thing that I want to do I think we can uh, what are some good RPGs for the iPhone? Uh, Wolfenstein RPG is fucking rad. Uh, and you might feel the same way about Doom RPG uh, or Doom 2 RPG if you played it first. John Carmack got in this weird kick of making little, like, uh, grid-based first-person RPGs for a little while. He made, like, Orcs vs. Elves and then the Doom one and then the Wolfenstein one. The Wolfenstein one was super fun. You shoot dudes with a gun. You pick up some power-ups. That works. Casey Viederman says, Hi, Jake and Scully. Any news on Word Realms? A whole bunch of us are pretty eager about that. Are you still planning to release it in stages, testing the waters with single-player mode? Are you still are you building in trading forums, chat, PvP from the start, or will those go in once you've decided to make it massively single-player? How do you see the community developing? I'm sure there'll be a large amount of overlap with the KOL gang. Have you considered any cross-world perks, maybe a pool of common items that can be traded between games? If you used a donation reward system like Mr. Accessories and Items of the Month, what would you change? Uh, these are all really good questions. Um, yes, still planning to release, to release it in stages. I don't think that it is feasible for us to do the MMO with the production values of the single-player version that we've been working on, because it has kind of turned into a behemoth. And the pace, we, there's no way that the way that we work and the size of our team, we could keep up with the demand for new content that would keep people interested in it. And I think it would take us too many years to actually build enough content to make it an interesting MMO to start with. Um, an approach that we've tossed around that I'm more and more coming around to, that it, it kind of started out when when I walked into Hot Stuff's office during the, the Valhalla invasion and all of the, you know, the, the skeleton killing stuff. And he was like, he said to me, what if this was our job? Like, what if this is all we did was write some content write some stuff for people to play with every day and then you know sometimes it was there for a day sometimes it stuck around but like what if the game was just these events that were happening like what would that be like and I kind of like the idea of rolling out the word game MMO like that because it allows us to it allows us to get it out early and get people playing it and make sure that it's got some some resonance right I I'm no longer concerned about testing the waters with the single player game because it's fucking fun and I know people are going to like it Yeah, right. it might not be like crazy popular because there might be fewer people out there that like the same kind of stuff that I like you know and that we, and that we like and we're, we're going you know the people who've seen it and have liked it are, are a fairly captive audience you know and I would have thought that uh, Bookworm Adventures would be really popular and I think it like wasn't necessarily I mean it was enough you know enough that they made a sequel but going for a different vibe with this, a different level of interactivity, and, and you know, I think it's going to work. I think it's going to be good. Um, but yeah, there'll be a single player, there'll be the single player one that we just finally get out the fucking door, and uh, I, I kind of just... I don't want to say I'm looking forward to washing my hands of it, but the process has just been fucking aggravating. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it is, it's slow, and it's like... I, I don't know if you know this, Mr. Skullhead, I'm not like a super good uh, boss. I'm not like a great you're a, manager. You're an incredible boss. Uh-huh. You're a lousy manager, but you're an awesome boss. 
Okay. Okay. I guess awesome in that in that in in the ways in which I would have approached evaluating whether a boss was awesome when I had jobs. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So there is going to be my current plan is to release the single player one, uh, then release a. A version of it that's like pretty much exclusively PvP, which I think probably has a revenue model because why not? Um, probably do a little cross promotion with KOL, like some actual in-game promotion stuff, and then not. I think what I would not do is I would not say, "All right, we'll go play this other game and do this thing, and then you'll get something in KOL," because people don't necessarily like that. Um. And we could probably do it in a way that wouldn't make me feel like it was sleazy, but, you know, definitely, like, oh, if you play KOL, you can go get this thing in this new game, and then people see you with it, and they're like, how'd you get that? And you're like, oh, I played KOL, and I bought this thing, or whatever. Um, you know, and then and then do the MMO as a fairly... Kind of do it the way that I know how to do stuff, which is the way that I did KOL, which was like, you know, get something out there that's limited enough in scope that we can, you know sort of exponentially increase the amount of stuff to do on a fairly short term for a while. Right. And see where it goes, you know? If you used a donation system uh, like Mr. Accessories and Items of the Month, what would you change? That is a hard one. Um, I think that creating some guidelines for what it was possible for an item of the month or whatever to do. I don't think that I would do item of the month. I think that I would probably have some stuff that was available to purchase and that maybe it started out and there was a sale on it or whatever. Mm. I don't know about the idea of, you know, like... I think a lot of our longevity, a lot of our financial success is attributable to the fact that there is a robust economy and there is scarcity involved in the things that people purchase, right? Which makes it so items of the month are purchased as investments at a level greater than what the current demand is because they're hedging on future demand. And therefore, future demand is met. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would do it again the same way. The items of the month are a huge source of stress for for me, which is, I guess, as it should be, because they're also a huge source of money, right? And I mean, yeah. that you, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Um, you know, it, it's like, oh, the part of our job that actually pays the bills is the hardest part of our job. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty much how it works if you're a dude, uh, like a person, like a dude, dude, bro. Or dude lady? That's a good question. You know, I think that I would probably, if if I was going to do an item of the month setup, I would want to launch with five years worth of items of the month in the can. <laughs> and I would say that and then never, ever do it. Right. Um, you know, it is, uh, we tend to do a lot of things with, and this is, this is both a good and a bad approach. We will do things like, well, so here's this thing, here's this way that people are feeling about the game right now. Let's, uh, let's take advantage of the changing nature of the game and, 
we can use this item of the month to like fix a concern that somebody has or add some stuff to a portion of the game that people are currently describing as lackluster or whatever you know and being able to do it reactively like that is nice for us in a way but is also just a lot more pressure um you know if we just decided that it's like all right well so here's a ring that gives you plus five of whatever and someday there's going to be an item of the month that's a ring that gives you plus seven and that's just fine you know we we just we treat it like another free-to-play game would and just like yeah you know you can just buy a little bit of an advantage here yeah i i might get over my distaste at the idea of selling additional turns you know i've 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 considered the idea of like well so if you give us five bucks you get three months of premium status on your account where you get 50 turns of rollover instead of 30 turns of rollover or or something like that and you know in while i think that's I don't like that idea on its surface, and I would not do something like that for KOL, and I think our approach to KOL has been defined by kind of not wanting to do stuff like that. I don't think that there's really anything, like, ethically wrong with it, because it's like, every free-to-play game works, like, well, yeah, I mean, it's you know, you can play it, but then you can play it more if you give us some money. You can see more stuff, you can do more stuff. And I would rather say, well, okay, if you give us some money, you can see more stuff in less time. Than, than saying like oh well no here's this continent that you can only get to if you donate. If we haven't if we hadn't set it up so that turns become a valuable commodity for like leaderboard runs and whatnot, then I could see doing that. Yeah, but I mean they are the most valuable resource that you're managing in KOL, so like right. they're gonna be important no matter what we do, and that's just the nature of it. And I think that's probably the nature of anything that we do that has the same kind of model in the future. I mean, I don't want to do an MMO that you can just sit and play all day and keep earning your, your, your meats, you know? Yeah. Like, that's not the kind of game that I want to make. I also don't want to make the, like, Mafia Wars style where you get a turn every 15 minutes or whatever. Um, you know, and, and we've, we've... Part of me is like, oh, I'd like to be fra- I'd like to be free of the shackles of the design that we've come up with for this and the, and the constraints that it puts on us. But there's another part of me that's like, well, we know how to do this, you know. So this is a model that we're accustomed to thinking in, and we're not gonna we're not gonna make freshman mistakes with it the way that we might if we tried to do some entirely other uh, paradigm for the way that the way that play is meted out. Right. Uh, Giarge saying, so phishing and security and emails and oh my, do you feel violated? Yeah, I feel violated. Yeah. I noticed, says Azulian, that there are only two superhuman cocktail drinks that use rum. Do you ever get inspiration for new drink recipes? I'm not asking for more, just curious. Also, a quote from uh, Thursday's show. If a browser was made to be 100% standards compliant, it wouldn't load a lot of pages. Truth, welcome to Opera Land. Enjoy your stay. Uh, yeah, no, that wasn't even like a joke. That's just a statement. I don't know if I get inspiration for new drink recipes. I mean, wait, like, the original drink system pretty much plumbed every combination that I could think of. Right. You know, they're not making a lot of new... Like, they are making up a lot of new cocktails, but they're all dumb bullshit. Like, I'm struggling to find cocktails for Advice Hot Dog that are recognizable. Like, a cocktail that you could walk into even 10% of bars and be able to order. Things that aren't, like... <clears throat> a long, comfortable snuggle under a Chevelle with a chicken. 
kind of thing. Yeah, there was a there's a drink listed in this. I got I I looked through the available like drink recipe collections that you could get for like a dollar on the iPhone, uh-huh. and I found one that like lets you filter the results by the ingredients that you have on hand, which is nice. Um, but it contains a drink called the Lolmonade. Uh-huh. Uh, which I'm like, you know what? That's not a real fucking drink. There aren't any real drinks that have been invented since the advent of Lol. Right. Uh, let's see. Look more closely, says Starwood. There are only two superhuman cocktail drinks for every standard booze and the same for mixers, but then Mana Yachinichu says, yeah, but you end up with way more rum than anything else. That's weird. wonder why that is. Uh, Neon Grace says, so the inevitable question of, hey, is the next Mr. Store item going to be on time? Well, is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Man, that's got to be annoying. Um, it might be, but I am already thinking of this as a thing that we might ought to reserve the right to let it simmer complete for a couple of days. It, it's, <clears throat> it is not a complex Thing to play with, but it is a complex thing to consider in the grand scheme of things from our end. Right. So it might be a thing that we need to like finish and then say like, okay, Dev, could you guys play with this for like a couple days to make sure that we didn't like just really miss the mark on some numbers that we pulled out of our ass or whatever. Um, I'm excited about it. I need to I need to start uh, start turning that crank a little tomorrow. Get some stuff assigned to some dudes. I uh, today was my day to read everybody's brainstorms and then sleep on it. Um, come back tomorrow with a grand scheme. A man with a unnamed hobo says. First of all, congratulations on being noteworthy enough to be a fishing target. Though it also sucks major ass now that y'all have to pay more attention to it. Uh, inevitable remembrance content would be great though, and if it educated players on account safety, well, that would be edutainment. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't. I wouldn't hold my breath on something to you know we, we when we do content for stuff that is like you know when we do like content for disasters it that has its roots in apology right and it is still an apology it is not it is not like a it is a traditional apology but it is not just like a tradition on its own right it's not like oh well like i broke my leg so everybody gets a you know broken leg familiar (laughs) or whatever Right, it's not just like anytime something bad happens, we we do content because of it. It is when something bad happens that noticeably disrupts things for everybody. You know, we we do something to sort of ease that sting, and this I don't think actually had any effect on most players. Right, so it, it's uh, you know not to discount the possibility of the the situation developing into something that's worse, but. Uh, huh. Yeah, wouldn't plan. Wouldn't plan on that. P.S. He says, please remind me not to listen to radio shows while eating. The conversation about fart flamethrowers on the last radio show got me choking some. <laughs> yeah, you know, fart jokes. They are funny. Uh, Ashton says, can you tell us anything about Mr. Card Game? Will it be sold in the KOL store? I've heard a little bit about it, and I'm really interested in learning more about it. I don't want to talk about the details of it too much, because we don't know... We're still sort of investigating the legal entanglements from the previous thing, which I thought surely would not be a thing, but like fucking laws, man. We're figuring we're figuring out the licensing. Like it, it could, you know, this is a thing that I'm fairly c- 
confident that I'm just going to be like, yeah, sure, we'll license we'll license KOL for this, and we can probably sell them to some people in our store, and there's people who will like it. Because um, it was a totally fun game. Uh, but th- it, it might be a year before the vagaries of contract law allow us to do that. So, you know, it's a game. It's cool. We're probably going to license it. I have no idea when. Mad Surgeon says, was the extra fullness on the, for Fist on Feast of Boris a reversal of policy, an oversight, or some third thing? It was an oversight. I, I left town just before the notice appeared on the main page that Feast of Boris was coming, which was what I was counting on to remind me to write something to stop it from triggering in Fist, and nobody else noticed uh, while I wasn't around. Um, the hot stuff was also gone on, on a like three-day errand that he had to run. Um, he had to get rid of all of his uh, his mom was moving and had to he had to either go get all of his boxes of childhood stuff or hear a story about them being thrown into a fire Um, so he had to take care of that but yeah we just weren't paying attention and it slipped through and I don't know what the fallout from that is or is gonna be I'm I'm sad that it happened but I'm hoping that it will not prove to be that big of a deal because um, I really didn't want this to be a thing. I didn't want the leaderboards for a challenge path to be fastest runs on the day that involved the Feast of Boris. Um, and, you know, nobody was, like, upset that it didn't work in bees. A single sentence of content is enough to soothe that tiny amount of pain. Mr. Skullhead says, type login. Have you heard of the band The Michael Handler Project? They play reggae cover songs of pop music in the St. Paul bar scene. Tonight I'm going to listen to their It Is What It Is album while typing a paper on the history of KOL. I haven't heard of them. I like not the world's biggest reggae fan, but uh, I do like cover tunes. No woman, no cry. I know. Do they do reggae covers of No Woman, No Cry? I hope that they do nothing but reggae covers of Bob Marley songs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Captain J Sparrow says, usually get a ton of rum due to pirates and needing insults. Oh, that makes sense. Um, and hey, that's the end of that forum thread, and maybe that's the end of the show. And How do you feel about that being the end of the show, Mr. Skullhead? End of the show. I feel like I need a song to go out on. That's what I feel Uh-oh. like. Maybe we can, uh, I don't know, we could, uh, yeah, I think we could, I just, maybe we could add, but, huh. Maybe we, if, I thought that, you know what, at, okay. All right, good night, everybody. Bye-bye.